it's Erica Kramer with Martin Brothers, and we're happy to have you again. We're glad to be spending time with you because we all know that the time you invest in self-development not only increases the trajectory of your success, but the success of those you lead as well. In every segment we serve, staffing repeatedly presents itself as a challenge for all of our operators. Doesn't matter if you're a restaurant, if you're in the schools, if you're in senior living, it is a problem. And for us at Martin Brothers, we've truck drivers, warehouse people, IT people. I mean, we've got um, definitely staffing is something that everybody wants to talk about. So in episode one, if you joined us, we talked about raising up leaders and how you need to make sure that not only are you being a leader, but that you're identifying and helping others become leaders as well. So I think as leaders, one of the largest obligations to those we employ is to seek their potential and lift them up so that they can excel as well. Now, when you think about this, who to better do this than a coach? Looking back into our lives, I'm sure all of us out there listening can think to a specific time when we were positively or maybe not positively impacted by a coach, right? Someone who was there to engage you, make you feel good, but challenge you in ways you couldn't imagine um, while making you want to do better. For me, my junior high coach used to kick my butt by making me run extra because I never hustled, and I started picking up my feet after that, and now I I enjoy jogging, (laughs) which no one would have guessed if you played junior high basketball with me. So today I am bringing you Jed Smith. Da-da-da-da! He's the strength and conditioning coach for UNI Athletics. If you're wondering how I got to get this guy to come and spend some time on this podcast, we know his wife, so we kind of um, forced this. But Jen is going to give us some insight on harnessing other people's potential. I think we can all agree it's oftentimes easier to spot the potential in others than it is to see it within ourselves, so we'll kind of discuss that as well. But the challenge sometimes lies in helping those who are bottling up that extra for a rainy day and helping them unleash it for good. Um, So I also brought in my friend who everyone met before, Angie Dark, our Martin Brothers marketing manager, um, just because she's got some insightfulness as well that I think we can share and keep things going. But before we start this topic, Jed, I want to give our listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit. So we're going to ask a quick question, um, a cheesy icebreaker question like we are always doing. If you could choose anyone, dead or alive, that you could have lunch with, who would it be? Ooh. Well, I, obviously, the, the uh, Jesus would be a, a good lunch. Uh, yes. I, mean, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> we um, did that, but that I was like, Jesus is that, probably that, number one answer. That would be a, that would be a good one. But there, there's, uh, boy, there's just so many people. I mean, you, you can go back throughout history and... And, uh, you know, you can think of our founding, you know, fathers, uh, mm-hmm. you know, George Washington would be amazing. I mean, to just, uh, I mean, there's, there's so many, but yeah, I mean, I, I would say it'd be, it'd be dead. There'd mm-hmm. be somebody great from the past. Um, let's start with Jesus. That'd be a good, that's probably your number one an- answer. I, f- I feel like I shouldn't go next <laughs> because... You can't be Jesus. You can't be Jesus because mine's a tie between Snoop Dogg and Howard Stern. So um, I think Snoop Dogg is one of the coolest people ever, not what he does in his extra um, activities, but he just seems like he would be so cool. And no matter what you did, he'd be fine with it. And then, or Howard Stern, I'm a huge Howard Stern listener. If anybody is going, ew, Howard Stern, 
he is totally changed. I mean, the dude's like 65. Mm -hmm. So he interviews people and gets them like a lot of times people are like, oh, my gosh, I feel like I'm in a counseling session and like make revelations about themselves. So I would just love to sit down with him and he would probably help me learn about myself. And he's he's pretty funny when he's trying not to be. So, Angie? Well, I'm going to go personal. And I'm going to say I had a really good relationship with my grandfather. He passed way too soon. And so for me, we did so many things together when I was growing up. And because I feel like we were cheated on time, I'd bring that man back for a, a lunch um, just to be able to reconnect and uh, talk about where our lives where my life is at today and what he's been able to witness from, from the great upstairs. So that's it. That's a really good. I know I went sappy. I'm sorry. You did. You gave me goosebumps and made me sad. I should have shared mine last. Dang. All right. So, so we have Jesus, we have Snoop Dogg and grandfather. So that's quite the, if we were all lunch at the same place, that would be interesting. We could all dine together. It would be be insightful. That'd be good. All right. Well, I feel like everyone knows us a little bit now. People probably don't want to talk to me if they see me in person again. But let's get into this topic, harnessing other people's potential. And one of the reasons we chose this, we already talked about staffing as a big issue, but so many times I think people just kind of lose hope on someone. And and if they're not showing up or if there's a problem, instead of trying to help fix it, they just take the easy way out and, and just let them go or or let, let the issue go away itself. Um, so Jed, if you've identified that there's more someone can give, what do you do to get more? You challenge them? Have well, yeah, them. my job is uh, to challenge people. That's what I do for a living and I've done it for 25 years. I mean, it's it's uh, a strength and conditioning coach, your, your support staff, your behind the scenes. Um, I don't know if either of you two remember uh, the old TV uh, show, The Fall Guy, there was a song um, about he was a stunt man as a kid. I watched it. Uh, it was a show I watched as a kid, Lee Majors. But uh, strength and conditioning coach is a stunt man. You're behind the scenes, and there was a theme song that said, "I'm the unknown stunt man that makes Eastwood look so fine." Uh, strength and conditioning coach is you're behind the scenes. You're developing the teams, this physically, mentally. Um, you help those head coaches so they can have a team that goes out and wins. Um, so you're worry, we're worrying about team dynamics, chemistry, how people get along. And obviously, um, you have to bring challenges that people do not like. Mm-hmm. So my job is to break people out of their comfort zone, homeostasis. Nothing happens in homeostasis. That's the comfort area where I just I'm, I'm, I feel good. Everything's great. And that's where people like to be. Unfortunately, nothing great really happens there. You have to break people beyond uh, that comfort zone, get them out, push them to get to new levels and different barriers. Um, and so then there's a new norm. And mm-hmm. then then what they saw in the past is difficult is not difficult anymore. And it, you keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Kind of like uh, when I was a young kid and and I learned to juggle. I don't know if you two know how to juggle. I do. Oh, I do. Too. I'm with two yeah. jugglers. Y'all are blessed. You get to learn two things about me today. <laughs> well, juggling, you can take. Uh, you first start learning how to juggle two balls. First of all, you got to be able to catch one. Throw it, yeah. catch oh, it. I'm out. Throw it, catch it. But then you start working on two. Once you're able to do two, throwing and catching one ball is pretty easy. Once you're able to do three balls. Going back to two is easy. Going back to one is a piece of cake. If you're able to do four balls, 
three balls, nothing, two, nothing, one, nothing. And life is like that. So pushing yourself to be able to get to new levels, everything else gets easier. And so the mindset of a strength and conditioning coach is really trying to push people outside that comfort zone, motivate them and um, get more out of them. And so do I deal with people who um, fight that on a daily oh, basis? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. just, that's, that's what you do. And there's a lot of psychology involved in what I do. Um, you could almost say more psychology than physiology, but they're both equal because you obviously you don't want to injure individuals and you have to know, uh, you know, where's an appropriate place to place a limit. Um, and you also have to be able to set limits that are attainable for certain certain people, but it's got to be what they never thought that they could reach. And you and then they get it and you just keep moving the bar and you keep moving the bar. That's what I do every day, 25 years. And so, yeah, is there uh, this we could probably talk a lot about, um, but a, a simple motivator for people is to you don't set things that they really truly believe are impossible, it probably won't happen. Mm -hmm. And it's really not about the goal, the end goal, it's bringing them along the way to have little successes. Mm -hmm. And that's where you have to, you, you actually have to strategize and you have to think uh, and map it out. If I can get, I'm not, I'm not looking at, I'll give you just a little example, which you, you're gonna think that I'm a little psycho, but I, uh, I, I rode bike all year last year uh, to work across the field and you probably know where we live and it's probably a mile through a field and I didn't care what the weather was it was a fat tire bike um, 52 below zero in the polar vortex I rode bike every single day uh, across that field sometimes depending upon the snowfall it'd take me an hour and a half to get in and an hour and a half to get back this is not a lie okay if I thought of it I could see the dome in the distance because I live off of the field if I thought about the dome and I'm not getting anywhere and my wife would laugh because she'd look out the window and I'd literally be 15 minutes, I'm not across the yard yet. And I wouldn't think about the dome as the goal. All I'd think about is all I have to do is get, there's 10 feet, that's my goal. Get there, I have success. Then the next 10 feet, then the next 10 feet, then the next 10 feet, then the next 10 feet. And eventually you get to the dome. That's, that's how you motivate people. Okay, it's yeah, everyone wants to win a national championship. Only one team can. Okay, there's a lot of teams out there. Um, everybody like to be a national champion. There's only going to be one if you're in an individual sport like track and field or wrestling. And it's really teaching people along the way how to get incremental gains little by little, step by step. And once they have success, it it's momentum, okay? And then it just builds upon it, builds upon it, builds upon it. So you really got to know who you're dealing with, what their experiences are, and set small goals, step by step, little by little. And then you can start spreading them out as they start building confidence. And you, and you I mean, and I, again, that's a, I don't know if that's what you're looking yeah, for. No, and, and I think for a lot of our audience out there who are managers, that means you guys have to take the time to get to know your people. It's, I mean, you, there's, that's the there's number poor one coaches, thing. there's great coaches, there's poor managers, there's great managers. And um, the, the way I look at it, 
if I fail on a kid, if I can't get a kid to succeed, that's on me. Mm-hmm. That's I have a job to do. I I I can't choose. I'm not the one who recruits the the athletes. Okay, yeah. so every one of them I'm trying to get to succeed. Every single one. The head coach. I'm part of the recruiting. Obviously, I meet with all of the families uh, and the key, the individuals. So I I have a little bit of an input because I'm part of the recruitment process. But ultimately, it's that head coach who, who's in a job, someone's doing the hiring, and that's a manager. Mm-hmm. Well, you pick that person. Um, you were supposed to do your homework, and you do due diligence to bring them in. That's your failure, okay? I don't like to fail. I don't like to lose. So if I'm given an athlete, I can go through the list and tell you the kids I've failed on, and I can remember to this day and I try to uh, reflect back and figure out new strategies because I don't want to fail again. So if someone fails that I can't get through to succeed, um, I'm, I'm reading, I'm studying, and it's a day-by-day thing. So I'm, I've, I've got a background in psychology. One of my undergraduate degrees is in psychology, and I actually thought about going on to be a psychologist, constantly read on psychology. That's something that uh, it's important for a coach. So there's always ways to be able to get it done. And if that person's failing, hey, you did the work to get that person in here. You were supposed to do your due diligence and your vetting process. Either something was was not right in your vetting process or there's, you, you know, there's something wrong. Either way, it's you. Yeah. And so yeah. there's there's no... Hey, you know what? This person sucks. You suck. All right. You didn't get the. You didn't put the right yeah. person in place. That's your fault. And you don't know how to motivate them. And you don't know how to get them to be able to push themselves. So you need to figure that out. Um, and so, um, it's not. You know, I, I. Here's one thing I can tell you: is you only have control over you, and you can make excuses and you can start pointing fingers at why. Um, you know, it's that person's fault. It's that you can't, you can't do anything about that. The only thing you can change is you and you can improve yourself to be able to impact and make a difference to help that person succeed. So making excuses and blaming, you're not going to win. So you you need to, you know, and, and we lose every single day, every single day of our life, we make mistakes and we're failing. But those those failures are important because I learned from them and, and, and everyone should learn from them. It's like, OK, if I make that same mistake again, that's a problem. So, I mean, my philosophy is there's an infinite number of ways you can you can work to motivate someone. Um, and so we can get into certain things here, but that's just in a nutshell. My philosophy, I take ownership of every single failure. And I don't even put it on the head coach. It's not the head coach's fault. Okay. It's my fault. I couldn't get, I'm, I'm, if we have a losing season, I take the blame. Uh, uh, Honestly, every single time, what could I have done something different that helped us to be able to win? And then I'm back to the drawing boards, back to the drawing. I take it very, very personal. Um, It's a weird thing, but in my mind, I feel that, if there's failure uh, with our teams, it's my fault. So for our, our audience out there, I guess I've never even thought about this. 
you know, a lot of times for the senior living side, it's very much, well, it's the industry. There's not enough people. They can go work at Target for less. But really, their number one thing should be if they're seeing a spike in in turnover or people leaving or not showing up, they need to self-reflect and take ownership and go, okay, well, what can can I change? You know, what am I doing that may be contributing to this? We were at an education session and we were explaining are talking about recruiting and mm-hmm. staffing. And one person said, well, you know, what do you do if somebody is consistently running late? And, and one manager's like, you know, it's their responsibility and I just let them go. I'm not going to I'm not going to deal with it. And someone else said, well, we don't have enough people to just get rid of them if, if they're not meeting our expectations. Mm-hmm. And I think that person right there um, was part. I mean, there's no ownership or self-reflection. It's just, here's here's what you need to do. And if you don't get there, that's all on you and bye. But or we can't do that anymore. I think you years guys ago that, that was how business was done. You had yeah. a job to do. You did the job or you were no longer there. But I think anymore, especially in areas like senior living, they're looking for a pool of candidates literally in a pond. There's just not enough people Mm -hmm. to fill the roles that are there so if you have someone who is interested enough to apply for your position and shows up and and showed up they're breathing every day this is a win um if they are struggling to meet the expectations that you have you need to be asking yourself i think have you clearly communicated the expectation Mm -hmm. or have they been in jobs in the past where a lot of people were just kind of showing up 10, 15 minutes late, and that was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's the case, maybe they've just never really clearly been articulated to how important that is. Um, are they in a generation where they will understand that they're impacting team mm-hmm. and they care about that? In some cases, that may not be the case. So then you have to find another trigger to help them understand. I think if you're not communicating the expectation and getting getting with them enough to understand, maybe there's something that's causing them to be late every day that you're not aware of. Mm-hmm. And if you had a conversation with them, you could either move them to a different shift. Uh, maybe that's an option flex their time or a find a way to flex their time to do something. You want to make sure that if you have someone who could potentially be very good, you're not just letting them go because they're not meeting your expectation, especially if you don't know if you clearly communicated that expectation. Which, once again, goes back to ownership. Well, and, and there's no. a lot going on there in, in, in what you two are um, <laughs> Throwing at me here, so um, what? And, and I can pick this apart and dissect it in a few different ways. But first of all, as a manager, if you want people to, and we'll say put out, put out for you, well, guess what? You need to have self-sacrifice. You need to be the one that's willing to go through a wall and do anything, and nothing is beneath you. Uh, yes. I've had coaches come yes. up to me, and they're like, "How?" Because what people don't understand. I have grad students and undergrad students that volunteer every single day. And I've been at UNI for 15 years and nobody gets paid. And I have 30 kids that are working for me without getting paid a dime and they'll do anything. While they do, why would they do anything? And I've had head coaches of different sports teams that go, we can't get anybody to volunteer. How do you do that? I go real simple because I'm giving them something every single day. I teach them, I care about them. I do uh, what I call professional development sessions where I meet with them, I teach them the, the profession, I teach them the trade. I put lessons together for free that I'm not getting paid for. I sit these kids down. 
I help them get jobs in the future. That's why they want to come. I'll sit with them. I'll help them. Um, I'm trying to help them professionally in their lives. And because I care about them, and it's the same thing with the athletes. When the athletes know that it's not about me, okay, it's about them, that I'm trying to help them win and I'm trying to help them be great. And when they see that, that they're like, this guy, he, he sincerely cares about me and he'll be hard on me, but he'll also put his arm around me. And say, hey, listen, you know what? Yeah, I just roughed you up and you broke and that was a bad deal, but here's how we come back from that. And then I'm going to educate you and teach you how you come out of that. And I didn't want to have to do that, but I had to do that. It's called tough love. So yeah, I may have said that, but that was by design. Okay. And I, I'm all, I can be really hard on someone, but I can also love them as much as anyone. And that, and they see that and they feel that because it's, it's in their best interest, 100%. And, and I've made football players cry, Division I football athletes cry more times than I can count. Men. And then I'll bring them to the side, put my arm around them, and be like, hey, listen, this happened because of this, this, and this. And I want to help you. I really do. And um, let's work on this. I don't, I don't rough them up and leave them. I'll always come back and 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 there's always a lesson there. Um, and the other thing is, 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 is I never would put any athlete through something that I wouldn't do myself. I can and I'm and I'm almost 50 years old right now, and I'm still not afraid to go do anything that these athletes are gonna go do. And they know it. Mm-hmm. And more. Mm-hmm. I might not be able to perform as good as them because guess what? They're in the prime of their life. I'm not, but I'm not afraid of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to have these interns if like if there's and this might sound uh, disgusting, but there's times when athletes will vomit and uh, some intern or grad student or even an assistant coach is going to run over there. And I've done this on purpose. No, don't touch that. But let me let me clean up the vomit and I'll take they've seen me with bare hands, clean things up that they're, they wouldn't even do themselves. Mm-hmm. And they're going like, wow, OK. If, if there's anything that, and, and I'm the oldest by far of any of my staff, um, so I have assistant coaches that are paid and then volunteers, and if uh, I'm going to go to the biggest thing to clean up, to pick up the heaviest thing, oh, coach, no, 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 don't pick that up. No, I'm going to pick it up. Um, there's, and they want to help me and they'll do anything for me. But um, that's because they know that I'll do the same and it's reciprocated. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's so much that you can do to motivate just by you cleaning as, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Jordan Peterson. There's He's got a great book called 12 Rules of Life. Just make sure that your room's clean, you know, clean your own house, clean your own room, work on you. Um, and if you work really hard, on uh because there's so much to fix every single day you're never going to get it all done but you're constantly working on leading by example and you can't talk okay in sport talk is cheap talk is cheap it is cheap people aren't going to believe what you say they're going to believe what they see you do 100 percent, 100 percent. so i can sit here and talk and tell guys to do this and this and this they know that i'm i'm there before them every single day they know that i'm kicking my own butt physically before they're, while they're still sleeping in bed, okay? And they know I'm gonna be there uh, at the end of the day, that I'm still grinding, and they're going, that guy's pace is, is unmatched. 
if that's what you're doing, it's very easy to be able to get great results out of people. Um, and it, because I'm not expecting you to do anything um, that I wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's just in management. Again, talk is cheap. People go through meetings and blah, 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 blah. But then, um, and you see it in sport, I can't stay, I call it hero speeches. All right, mm-hmm. you, you, a hero speech is worthless. We're getting beat out there on, on the field or on the court or whatever. And you're going to try to say something to me or these athletes as a, you're a fellow athlete and you don't live it and you've cut corners and you and you come late and you leave early and you skipped half of, of, of the training and whatnot that we put in here. And now you're going to give us a little speech. Mm-hmm. And we haven't even witnessed any of it. And so, yeah, you've got some some canned little responses and, and little talks that you got here. It's worthless. And I've been in so many situations where you'll see athletes roll their eyes and people aren't in tune with the body language. And it, and it, it just is destructive. So it starts with you. You, you. you have to work on you and leading by example at a high, high, high level. And if you're able to do that, it's amazing. You can get people to work for you for free mm-hmm. because they're motivated by how you live your life and uh, how you operate. So um, that's probably the best advice I can probably give regarding that. It's like, don't try to sit and, and preach and lecture to people unless no. you're living it. Right. Well, You have to earn that credibility mm-hmm. with people. Well, and we'll go into to places and, oh, we're, we're so short-staffed and we don't have enough cooks or, or nurses. And you see them and it's like, well, you you could be out there helping them cook. I mean, everyone has a responsibility and they've got to get, you know, um, their responsibilities done. It, it could be payroll. It, it, it could be some sort of paperwork that has to be mm-hmm. done, but it's still going to be noticed if... You're not out there. And, and you know, perception is reality. Mm-hmm. So if your team is busting their butts and nobody is, uh, is showing up for work, but yet you're never coming out, they don't know what you're doing. Right. So in their head, you're, they're giving the hero talk, like, I need you guys to show up and be here and help <laughs> yeah. out and take, yeah. you know, take other absorb responsibilities. And then they, they don't ever see you come out and help them. They don't know what you're doing. Well, trust and respect are lost, and then morale on the entire team diminishes, Mm -hmm. which is sad to see. And you have to make a point to, and again, you're living it, but getting out and showing. uh, Being seen. Yeah. This is the example. This is what we're looking for, and I'm not afraid of it. I'm not above doing anyone's job. Mm -hmm. I'm just not above it. I don't care if it needs to be done. I mean, from... If it's custodial staff, I don't want them clean, clean up the vomit. I'm like, I'm got it. It's not a big deal. If it's, you know, it, it doesn't matter. If it's if I'm doing some program design and high level formulating of of what we're doing or presentations or videos, or, I can do it and I can teach myself to do anything. So mm-hmm. it's taking that on. We had an event right after I started that I went to. And we were serving, we're foods distributors, so we were serving customers. And dishes were piling up on one of the tables, and there wasn't any event staff around. I was at, like, one of the booths. So I had asked a couple of people on our staff, I was like, could you help clear some of those plates away, or else watch this area so I can do it and get stuff into the kitchen? 
And instantly they're looking around. Let me see if I can find some event staff. And within one minute, the VP saw one of our VPs saw me and approached me and said, what, what are you trying to do? And I said, there's just, there's dishes piling up. I just think it looks mm-hmm. tacky. We're serving customers and just, I mean, we can't find event staff. I was going to ask if a couple of people could help. And he's like, I got it. He started picking stuff up with a tray and he carried it off into the kitchen. And for me being brand new, it's like, whoa, I was like, you're on, you have people on your staff who are not doing it, but you are willing as a VP to sell out to your team and show them by example, this is how you give a good experience in our profession. You just do it yourself if people aren't available. And I think that's exactly what we're talking about. You need to illustrate for them what's expected of them so that they will do it on their own later. Yeah, you got to, again, self-sacrifice. That is what people see. You're willing to sacrifice a bit of you. Um, I don't even have to be doing this. I could just be focused on me, 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 me right now, and I'm winning, and I'm winning, and I'm winning. That's great. You're winning, but we're losing. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm going to get, I'm going to give you a chunk of me, okay? I'm going to sacrifice a chunk of me. I could be going and getting getting mine, but I'm coming over here, and I'm giving a chunk of me to help you. And when people see that, it goes a long, long way. 